with your scriptures in hand. And if you don't have it in hand and you can reach for it now, go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. And I want to bring to you the fourth in a series of lessons entitled Counterfeit Christianity. Chapter number 10, verse number 32 for our lesson today. As you find it, I remind the women, the ladies of the Bible study tomorrow evening, a continual series of studies on the book of Job. I remind the men of the opportunities tomorrow evening for discipleship class and prayer that you plug in and I bless. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 32. Jesus speaking. He said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And those who loses, oh, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Please, Rachel, the next slide. On this fourth lesson on counterfeit Christianity, I want to talk about true Christianity. Expect opposition. Point your hands in my direction. When you pray for me, I am touched by the Holy Spirit and I will for you. Would you do that even now? Oh, Father, I'm not here to give a speech, nor a talk. But I am here, God, to be a representative of this gospel that you have given to us. And having spent time with you, Lord, I pray that you would bring to my remembrance the things that you've given me. Can I get an amen? Oh, God, I I recognize the tension that can come when we bring the Word of God in a world that doesn't always want to hear about true Christianity. I realize that there would even be the possibility of tension within the church because of the multiple interpretations that are available regarding your word. But I pray, O God, that if there be any tension, it would be because you have gotten our attention and that you've called us to what is real for that which Jesus suffered, bled, died, rose again and coming back for. While you change me, change us. Oh God, I pray that we would be made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Whatever would rob us of the Word, don't let it happen. But let us be as babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word and the meat that we may grow thereby. Let it happen. And if you would agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Thank you as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. Wow, that that song is going to be on my mind, choir. 
I will arise. I don't want to reintroduce the series every time I come to bring a message on it. I'm tempted to talk about why I'm preaching about counterfeit Christianity. I'm tempted every time I come up to preach another sermon on the series to tell you that there is a difference between the real and the counterfeit. Real money and counterfeit money. Can I get an amen? There's a difference between real love and fake love. There's a difference between a real relationship and one that we just see people that may want to have with us because they may want something from us. There's, there's, a, there's, there's more power when it comes to the real, when it relates to the Word of God. There, there's more deliverance, more power, more peace. And I, I bring you this series because of the culture and the climate we are in, in the world and in the church. Last Sunday's lesson began with this statement. I put it here again so it helped me launch this thought. Back it up one for me, Rachel. I said to you this in bringing you the Word of God. When I asked the question last Sunday, is the Bible the Word of God? Because I said to you that there are those in our world and in Christendom who will tell us, That it's an outdated book, it's 2,000 years old, written by regular men who could make mistakes and made a lot of them when they wrote the Bible. And therefore there are those who tell us that it's full of myths and fables and not worthy of our attention. For those of us who have been transformed by the Word of God, if you're born again, you are a product of the transforming work of the Word of God in your life. Last Sunday, I told you that the Word of God was scientifically accurate. I told you that the Word of God was historically reliable. I I didn't get to spend a lot of time there, but I told you that the Word of God is prophetically accurate. And I also told you that the Word of God is life-transforming. I want you to know that we, uh, somebody preached somewhere and you heard the word and conviction gripped your heart and you found out that I need the Lord. I can't save myself. You read a gospel track. You may have heard a gospel song. You may have heard somebody pray and they quoted the Bible. I don't know where you were and what you were doing when you were captivated by conviction by the Word of God. But nobody gets saved without the Holy Ghost taking the Word of God and putting it in our hard heart and mind and plowing it up until we realize that I am wretched. I am blind, I am lost, and I need a Savior. That's the power of the Word of God. So for true Christians, one of the distinctive marks of a true believer is their love for and obedience to the Word of God. It is Jesus who said in John 14 and 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's like a marriage. Wow, I'm getting away from my notes. It's like a marriage. When we, when we come down the aisle and we stand before the preacher right here up front and we look at one another and we hold hands and we exchange rings and we take the vow that says, For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health and forsaking all others until death separate us. The fine print means that you don't go out and sleep with somebody else in this marriage. 
the fine print that you don't mean that you go out and get drunk on, and you say, it's Friday night, it's been my habit with the boys before I got married to hang out as long as I want to and do what I want to so you'll hear from me when you hear from me. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to leave your notes. Within that covenant of marriage, it says if you do your part, I'll do my part, but I'll do my part whether you do yours or not. And just like we, when we violate a marriage covenant, we put it in jeopardy. When we violate the covenant, Jesus likens our salvation to us being His bride. Did anybody hear me? We are called the bride of Christ. I may not be a good looking bride, but I'm, if He calls me one, I'll, I'll be willing to be one. And so there's a relation, if you love me, keep my commandments. In marriage, if you love me, honor our covenant. And I, I, I'm here to tell you that if you follow biblical Christianity, you can expect opposition by those of your family with whom you work, those you carpool with. If you follow biblical Christianity, you can expect opposition from people with whom you interact in your everyday life even in your church. For Christians, a Christian is a disciple of Jesus. A Christian is a follower of Jesus. For Christians, our family decisions, who you date, who you marry, what job you take or do not take, Money decisions, what you look at on television or movies, what you listen to, where you go to church, who your friends are, and who you vote for in elections are all to be based on the Word of God. There are no areas of our lives, if we are Christians, that are excluded from the covering of thus saith the Word of God. Our Christianity is not to be like a buffet line at Golden Corral, where you go through and choose what you like and leave out what you don't. Our Christianity, every word is inspired by God. It's profitable for correction, for reproof and instruction in righteousness. And if you are born again by the Word of God, you are not to live a multiple choice option for the Lord. Somebody give the Lord praise. Now, don't go putting up your shield now. Settle down. Listen to the Word of God. Don't go getting up all your defenses. Just listen to the Word of God. You might not like the vessel, but just listen to the Word. In our American culture, when we choose to live our lives as Christians based on the Word of God, you can expect opposition. There has been a great shift from November 12, 1968... When our Pan Am airplane flew us from Trinidad to JFK in New York City. And I was 11 years old and came off that plane. It's been all those years, almost 44. As an 11-year-old boy, now I'm 55. 
I have seen a dramatic shift in America from what used to be biblical, moral absolutes that saints and even sinners live by to a culture that we're living now that it continues to seek political correctness and the favor of man rather than the favor of God. There's been a drastic shift. We are living in a day of secularism and relativism. By secularism, I mean worldliness. We are living in a day of worldliness. Where many pastors and churches want to please so many people and have large churches and taking a lot of money that they circumvent moral absolutes in the Bible even while it's going on in their house and their church because of secularism. The Bible says in the last days we'll want preachers who have, who will tickle our ears and stroke our feelings. I feel, uh, yeah, that's it. Secularism! Oh, God help me. So just about anything goes on in some churches. Oh, Lord, should I say that? Thank you, Lord. You spoke to several people. You know, in America, we want this showtime religion. As a boy, we sing, give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. How many many know it, huh? Yeah? But in America, we want that showtime religion. And I will tell you, if God gave me the money to build Solomon's temple, it would have been sitting right there. Okay? I told God, I want to give him the best. All right? But I am not going to build a worldly house to attract sinners. Okay? And I'm not going to have, oh, help me, Jesus. Oh. Showtime religion, the hottest thing running through popular, secular, even gospel music. I'm not going to run them in and out of this house for a showtime religion. I don't want to have a showtime choir and a showtime praise team and a showtime band. Anybody hearing me? A matter of fact, I don't want any cigarette-sucking, alcohol-sipping Christians leading anybody to Christ anywhere. Just thought I'd say it. You ought to get them, Pastor. They're really hot on the gospel circuit. And for $2,500, they'll come and bring their band. You can keep your band, and I'll keep my $2,500 because I want those who are born again living in the power of God. Got a prayed up life and know in whom they have believed. You're probably not going to get on TV preaching like that. I ain't even looking for that. So all I can do is just get up here on Sunday. Secularism. Secularism. Relativism. Relativism has to do with your relatives, but ain't really what it's about. This text is about your relatives, by the way. Isn't the text about mother, father? Yeah. Relativism, mean, relativism means 
that whatever is relative for me at that time, even if it means compromise on biblical convictions, if it gets me out of a tight place, relativism. So if I have to tell a little lie to get me out of a squeeze, you know they said a little white lie. Well, I find out white people ain't the only people to lie. Indians lie. Well, it's, it's only a little tight place. I'll fix it up later. Relativism says, eh. so you got a little close to a work partner on the job of the opposite sex. And you started sharing. And next thing you know, had a little lunch together. And, yeah, you know... Uh, he really understands me better than my husband understands me. Uh, she, really, she really meets some of my emotional needs more than my wife does. Hey, hey I was born at night, they told me. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't last night. You'd be amazed. I, I better stay right here. Uh, You'd be amazed what people sit in my office and tell me about why they legitimize their behavior even though it was inconsistent with biblical instruction and holiness. So, yes, we, we had an affair, but my wife or husband wouldn't meet my needs and, and, and I have needs. Relativism. Uh, relativism says if you do illegal drugs, if you have promiscuous sex, oh wow, if you uh, adopt the homosexual or lesbian lifestyle, if you indulge in pornography in a private setting, as long as it's not hurting anyone else, then I'm fine. You cannot be a born-again Christian and practice those things. There's something that dies in you. Your body is the temple of the Lord. You are not your own, the Word says. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And I tell you that ours is a culture where politicians, athletes, the media, talk show personalities, both on radio and television, and yes, even some churches and pastors have repeatedly endorsed and promoted choices and lifestyles that are contrary to the Word of God. Some of these people that I just listed as far as groups call themselves Christians. And, and here's the influence. Their endorsement and practices opens a floodgate for others to live and believe just like them. But here's the rub. Here's the resistance. 
When a true Bible-believing Christian comes along and says, I cannot go along with you in your choice and your lifestyles that are inconsistent with the Word of God, then our text comes into play. Because as a Christian, we are not only supposed to observe sin, we are also supposed to call it out. And as a Christian, not only are we to call it out, but we are to point out how to make it right. I have no business as a preacher preaching against fornication and adultery and homosexuality and lesbianism and violence and domestic violence and, 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 and gambling and cussing and swearing. I, have no, I don't just come here to call out sin. I also came here to show you a better way. And that's where the rub comes. Now, I, I, keep, I have numbers of different translations of the Bible because I, I, like, to, I, like, to think, uh, I like to think in ways that, that bring out the Word of God powerfully. Here's the message rendition of our text. Look on the screen and I'll read it. Jesus said, stand up for me against world opinion and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say it. L- look at this. Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut. Make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. Because that's always been going on, hasn't it? Uh, I, I've come to cut through those cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. I'm just teaching now, okay? Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. Look at verse 38. If you don't go all the way with me, Jesus said, through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me, says the Lord. Somebody ought to thank God for his word. You may not like the preacher, but thank God for his word. Now, now let me just show you some things about this passage. The first observation I make is declaration. As a true biblical Christian, according to our text, there will come a place and point in your life where you will have to make a declaration. You will have to announce your allegiance. Jesus said in Matthew 10.32, our text, New Living Translation, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly on the earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Can I get a witness, church? Listen to this. It's not, in, it's not going to be on the screen, but write it down if you, if you take notes. Our earthly actions have eternal consequences. Our earthly actions. What we do in the here and now in the flesh, as well as every other kind of way, will reflect on eternity, about our destiny. Jesus won't get a mass crowd at the rapture and say, okay, let me see which ones are Christians. Only the Christians are going to be raptured. 
But those who are left behind and when their judgment comes at the great white throne judgment. Jesus is saying, I will roll back the video and show that you had opportunity after opportunity to acknowledge me on earth. To your peers, to your family, even to acknowledge me as Lord of your life. But if you deny me, the message says if you deny me, don't expect me to cover for you. I'm preaching, yeah. Every Christian is called to make a declaration. Who is on the Lord's side? Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm telling you, and when you make the declaration as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You may feel like you are a minority, but you and God will always be a majority. Everybody say the word declaration. Here's another thought the Holy Spirit gave me about this passage on yesterday. Division. When you truly elect to serve God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and spirit, you're going to have to make a declaration, but you're going to face the possibility of division. It is in the Word, isn't it? Verse 35. Jesus said, For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemy will be those of his own household. Now, let, let me tell you something. When I preach like I'm preaching now, and the anointing comes on me, and boldness comes on me, and conviction, then you may think that's my image every day of my life. You may think, my God, doesn't he rest? But, but I, I need you to understand that I don't like fighting. And, and, and I need you to understand that Jesus didn't call us to start fights with people who are not in agreement to the Word of God. Uh, before I say some other things, I need you to understand that none of us want to fight with our children. None of us want to fight with our in-laws or our brother or sister. None of us want to fight with our mother or father. Look at the Scripture. Jesus, however, said that in true Christianity... We are called to speak up about what is right and what is wrong and not to overlook it just because it's in our children's life and in our family. I'm saying to you, when you tell and live the truth, expect that it will cost you something. I'm not telling you to pick a fight, but I'm telling you to pick Jesus. Somebody ought to help me praise God. I'm teaching. If I shut up when I know what is the truth, then I'm answerable to God on two counts. The Holy Ghost showed me this, okay? When I shut up, when I know what's the truth in my family, with my daughters, my son-in-law, with my in-laws, with my relatives, with families that I have in Canada and families that I have in Trinidad. When I show up, I'm not supposed just to start a fight. But when I show up and I see violation of the Word of God by even those in the family who claim to be born again and love Jesus, when I shut my mouth in the church, in the carpool, on the job, in conversation, when I shut my mouth, there are two consequences I have to face. Number one, the consequence of denying Jesus before others. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. 
So the consequence of it is, is that when I deny Jesus before others by, you see, some silence is not always golden. Here's a second consequence you face when you know what is right, but you choose to be quiet because you want to be likable, politically correct. When you are silent, when you should be vocal, you will bear some of the responsibility for the consequences of someone else's wrong choices because you fail to shine the light on their darkness. I thought I'd get a... Well, okay, forget what I thought I'd get. Yeah. Do you know companies in America get sued for neglect? I'm a preaching little Indian. Yeah. Do you know even churches get sued if we didn't... If we neglected safety concerns? They give our youth a 30-day... For our youth building, they were so kind... But the state fire marshal was here, Captain Brian Minix, who is our sound engineer. He came with the county fire marshal. He came with the state fire marshal. They came with the building. Five different guys. They got, they got their list and they got their stuff and they're going through everything. They, they say that the curtains there, the black curtains, are flammable. And therefore, they must be replaced in the next 30 days in your youth building. They tested it. And we, oh my God, I don't like that. The, 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 the young people, they designed, they checked, they designed some decorations in their building using boxes and they painted the boxes to form some beautiful decoration where when the light is fixed on it, it looks so nice. And uh, the fire people said, no boxes, cardboard boxes, got to go. And then they said, I probably shouldn't say this one. They said that this kind of music and, and, and amplifiers and PA system you all got here, and the way you Pentecostal didn't say it that way, but I know what they meant. <laughs> you, all like, you all like to have church? I mean, when you go to young people's church, you ain't going into, in the sweet by and by, we shall sleep through this service another time. No. You better be sure that you're ready to rock and roll for Jesus, for Jesus, for Jesus. For Jesus, you know that's biblical rock and roll. My feet's on the rock and my name's on the road. I take that back. Don't go misquoting me about rock and roll being biblical. Just what I said is biblical, okay? Because I ain't paying no $2,500. I just told you that. They said, you have to install a system before we give you permanent occupancy. That if there was a fire alarm that went off. That your sound system would cut off so that the people could hear the alarm, see the strobe lights and the flashing. Because if the sound system had cut off, the young people just going to rock and roll thinking, man, we got strobes and we got smoke. Yeah. So for all those things, we got to take care of the next 30 days. But you know why? Because safety is first. And for neglect, people have suffered lawsuits. And I'm telling you, it's far different in the spiritual world, your soul. If you fail to tell your son or daughter, meaningfully, your husband, your wife, your co-worker, the truth 
about the issues of homosexuality and lesbianism and adultery and alcoholism and cussing and blasphemy against the Word of God. Anybody hearing me? If you fail to tell your son or daughter relative about living together outside of marriage without a marriage covenant is against the Word of God and it's called fornication and adultery. Anybody hearing me? If, if, you, fail, if you fail to address these things, you are part and parcel of the neglect and as a result of it, you too will suffer some of the responsibilities when we stand before God for having shut our mouth when God said, even though it means you're against your mother or your father or your son or your daughter, choose Christ always. Choose Christ first. And I know that we are all thinking. We all... We got stuff in our family. Don't sit there acting like you'll come. <laughs> yeah. We all got dysfunction in our family. I can be prophetic. I'll start calling you out. I can call me out. And I'll tell you. Mm, help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus said. He said in our text. That he came to bring a sword. He didn't come to bring peace, a sword. You talking about Jesus, meek and mild, baby in a manger, come to bring a sword? You know, you know, these people only want one kind of Jesus. Humble, meek, mild, turn the other cheek, Jesus. If they ask you walk one mile, walk two, y'all ain't helping me, but I'll help myself. Yeah. Y'all thinking about Golden Corral and, and O Charlie's. I, I done called and told them to shut that place down. Yeah, yeah, we done took, we done, we got this electronic system. Your cars won't even crank till I'm ready. And I'm just having a little fun with you, okay? I'm having so much fun with you, I forgot where I was going. What was I saying before that? Huh? Sword, sword, sword. Meek and mild, Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus never shunned addressing sin. And you know, the people he made the the most angry were the religious people. He took a whip and went to the temple when the religious people were merchandising goods in order for, for them to become rich in the name of animal sacrifice. He took a whip and he chased out the money changers, overturned their tables and their stands, and said, This is a house of prayer, but you've made it a house of merchandise. Repeatedly. You see, one time Jesus preached so strongly, they pushed him out of town in a mob and was hoping to throw him over the brow of a cliff, but he just walked his way through it. Because his time wasn't yet. A sword. He's not just a meek and mild Jesus. I, I got to hurry. Let me give you another observation. So, so back number three. Decision. You got to make a decision. Jesus said, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. You see, I got to hurry and tell you that this thing about Jesus dying on the cross was not figurative. I'm hurrying. When Jesus died on the cross for the sins of every man, woman, boy, and girl, it was serious business. It was not figurative. It was not mystical. It was not imaginary. 
every description you read in the scripture about the physical sufferings of Jesus is real. His beard was plucked. It's not imaginary. He was spat on his face. He was slapped. A crown of thorn was weaved, thorn as long as one index finger, and placed on his head until it caused his brow to bleed, going into his eyes and tasting his own blood. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails, with, with, with rubber, and not rubber, pardon me, but leather straps. And at the end of the leather straps, there were bones and other kinds of strong fragments, so that when the, when the one giving the lashes would lash the back, he could rick it off the back of the sufferer and intensify his suffering. Jesus, the Son of God, was nailed to a cross, hands and feet. There was a spear driven up his side. He bled until there was no more blood to bleed. Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that Mel Gibson could make a movie or we could have jewelry around our neck or have nice pictures in our house. When Jesus died, this is serious business. And that's why he said, if you love your father mother more than me you are not worthy of being mine you know what Jesus is saying your father and mother love you but they didn't do for you what I've done for you your brother or sister love you but they didn't do for you what I've done for you give me a witness somebody let, let me make another determination another observation here please and it's the word determination if you are going to be a true Christian you're going to face a time where you'll have to declare your side you have to you'll face a time when there'll be division. You'll have to make a decision. And you need to be determined. Because verse 38. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. This, this, what about this cross carrying business? The American church for the most part don't want to hear about this cross carrying business. I thought Jesus was the only one who carried the cross. And Jesus says, the cross I carried, you were not able to carry. Because when Jesus carried his cross to the hill of Golgotha, where he would be crucified, he was carrying more than a piece of wood on his shoulders after having beaten next door to death. He was carrying every one of our sin, sins. He was carrying our shame, our guilt. He had no sin. But then he said, but if you live long enough and you're born again, you are going to suffer. Also, I, I think, let, let me hurry here. Let, listen to what he said to the disciples. This is our text, but it's before I read to you. This is not what I read to you. Now, brother will be delivered up to brother to death. And a father is child. And children rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end, same shall be saved. While you meet right here, there are Christians in third world countries and anti-Christian countries who are suffering. We Americans know nothing, including me, about suffering for Jesus. If you don't answer our prayer when we put it in the box by a given time, we're ready to go get drunk. 
we don't know nothing about suffering for Jesus. If we don't get the loan or the lawyer doesn't get us so and so, we're ready to cuss somebody out. I'm just preaching. I'm just being very honest with you now, okay? If you want three points on a poem, keep going down. One of them churches down this 34 will help you out with three points on a poem. But I didn't come about no three points on a poem. I came to tell you there's a cross to carry. I told you last week that my father got saved at age 17 in the island of Trinidad, converted from Hinduism. And I told you last week that immediately they put him out of his, uh, the home he lived in. His mother and father put him out. My father is 82 years old. He'll be preaching this morning in Greenville, South Carolina. He's been serving Jesus for 65 years. Here, here, here. There are people already in heaven because of my father's ministry. Hundreds and thousands of people in 65 years of ministry have been born again because my father said, you know what, I need a roof over my head and I need a place to sleep at night and I need a table to eat food. But if mama and daddy won't let me do that, I have decided to serve Jesus anyhow. If this is my cross, I'll carry it. There are people on their way to heaven today. My dad said this about his Christianity. He said, the only regret I have about serving Jesus is I didn't start sooner. Let me tell you this. And I won't have time to get into all this now, so I'm, I'm, I'm here. Jesus said, the disciple is not greater than his master. Did you, did you hear me? Jesus said, like the master suffered, the servant's not greater than his master. If they call Jesus a wine-bibber and a blasphemer, and they called him by the name Beelzebub, which is a curse because it was the name of an ancient Philistine god. If they call Jesus, all that they called him and then crucified him. Don't expect anything less when you decide to follow Jesus. Last slide, put it on there for me. But here's what you can expect. And I'll pick it up from where I left off today. You can, everything on the screen, put it all for me. When you come to your place of opposition and adversity, you can expect the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, and the peace of Jesus. What the Lord asked me to ask for today is some men and women, young people, single parents, single adults, teenagers, senior citizens. The Lord asked me to ask some airline pilot, some plumber, some electrician, some doctor, some dentist, some psychiatrist or psychologist. The Lord asked me to ask a truck driver, a school teacher, a principal. The Lord asked me to ask a wife, a husband, a grandma, a grandpa. He asked me to ask today, if you're willing to carry your cross on your way to your crown. If that's you, stand up. And everyone else now, stand up. Raise up your hands to the Lord. Come on, reach way up there. If you have to stretch to get yourself kind of, I know you've been sitting, reach up way up there. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, say out of your mouth what is going to be the intent of your heart as a result of opposition and things you need to address. Come on, I'm going I'm 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 to pray with you in just a moment, but raise up your hands. And raising up your hands mean I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Would you pray for yourself as I have prayed for myself now? Any prayers of repentance that we need to pray? 
My Father, I just ask you for this house and this church today. I confess that there were times when I should be more vocal, not mad and angry, but vocal. And I was quiet. I confess that there were times when I should not have given in to decisions. And I thought it wasn't going to hurt anything. And giving in to one decision gave request for another decision. And each decision further compromised the truth. I ask you to forgive us. Did I hear an amen? amen? As I pray, if it rings a bell with you, just disagree with me. Father, I pray today that we would choose Christ above anything and anybody else in the world. Did I hear you, church? My Lord, you have chosen us. We didn't choose you. You chose us. And you called us that we may go forth and bear fruit. Did I hear an amen? Amen. And oh God, if the world's inspecting our fruit, I'm, I'm afraid to say that they're saying that we look like them and we talk like them and we behave like them. So therefore, there's no difference. And I ask you to forgive us for not bearing fruit. Can I get an amen? God, you call us to be salt, salt flavor stuff. You call us to be light, but we have been light and we hid ourselves under a stairwell. We've been light. We put the light in a closet when we should have put it on a bright place where it could shine in the darkness. Forgive us. Say amen, church. Oh, God, we don't want to fight with our husband or wife. We don't want to fight with our children or grandchildren. We don't want to fight, oh, God, with our neighbors. You didn't call us to fight, but you didn't call us, oh, God, to deny the cross. And I ask you today for a revival of true Christianity. Say amen, church. I ask you, God, if we got to go home and empty a, a video cabinet for some junk there, let's go home and do it. I pray if we got to go home and empty our fridge so our testimony will be better, let's go home and do it. I ask you, God, if we got to take some stuff out of our car, Lord, that we shouldn't be listening to, let's get in our car and do it. Oh, God, let us understand that if you give us the power to live for you, you'll give us the peace of God, the presence of God, and all that we need to overcome. Somebody now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.